This is the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of July 17th, 2020, and it's the Relevant Podcast. In Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, author and podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, our troublemaker, Derek Miner. What up, bro? <laughs> Derek- you guys are both troublemakers. No. <laughs> Stressing me out. Before we get into this, okay, so coming up on the show today, we have a great show for everybody. Listen, we have the full gamut here. We have coming up later for King and Country joins us. Now they had a big single come out during the pandemic with uh, Kirk Franklin and Tori Kelly. We talked to him about uh, that. We also talked to him about uh, what they're learning right now in the quarantine. Also, we uh, we also have one of my favorite comedians on the Internet, Kevin Fredericks, better known as Kev on stage. He is so funny. He's coming up later on the show as well. I feel like I I feel like I have tapped into some sort of Kev on stage algorithm that <laughs> every social media platform shows me his videos because I see him all the time. He's, he's, he's inescapable. Yeah. He's the goat, man. I, he's he's my he's one of my favorite accounts to follow. Like literally, Seriously. he's he kills it. He's a Christian. He's a comedian. And he is killing the online video uh, game right now. So, wait, do him and his wife do a podcast? Yep. Have you ever listened to it? Yeah. Yes, it's amazing. Is what's it called? I think I might be thinking of the wrong person. The love, uh, uh, the what love is it? hour. The, the love hour. Yep. Yep. That's it. Okay. That's Kev. So, the so it's hour. like so I do after, know who he is. It's like now. the after hours oh podcast God. after yours. Yours is the happy hour with Jamie <laughs> Ivy. This is the love then, hour after the well, happy hour. It's got to listen to Love Hour. Because they talk about things that like you don't want your kids in the car when you're listening to their podcast. Am I right? Oh, yes. Okay, yes. Y'all, I have been on a deep dive on their podcast and I'm texting my girlfriends like, did you know? Like, it is, it is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Now now I'm very intrigued. I'm very intrigued. Kev is as bad of an influence in the Christian comedy world as Derek Minor is in the Christian social media world. (laughs) Look at that segue. See, I brought it back. There you go. I, Derek, I got to be honest with you, dude. In the last seven days since we recorded this podcast, (laughs) you egging me on on social media (laughs) to take on the trolls. See, what the listeners don't know is we got a group chat going. We got a group text thing going. And Derek will screenshot stuff in the relevant feed and, you know, like kind of like lobbing little grenades. And, uh, you know, he'll sick me on them and gets me. Derek, I'm not kidding. You're the one that gets in trouble. (laughs) I did get in trouble. So some people got in trouble? Dude, some people have wondered, like, hey, so what are some of the changes at Relevant since Cameron's come back from his sabbatical? One of the things we want to be is more transparent, more accountability. We want to be healthier as an organization, leadership, and all that kind of stuff. So one of the things we put in place was an executive board, which <gasps> you I got report called to. to the principal's oh, office. I got a phone call from one of our board members last week concerned Yo. about relevance activity on Instagram in particular. And is everything okay? And I'm like, <laughs> it's Derek's fault. That's all I'm saying. This, first this, off, is, this is my spiritual gift. Is to <laughs> at, least, at, least, at least the mechanisms are working. That's, 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 that's the moral of the story. That's, that's the moral of the story. Jamie, what was you about to say? 
No, when I see this going down online and you send the screenshots, I literally, I get sweaty armpits. I'm like rocking back and forth in my chair. I'm like, this is not going to end up okay, you guys. I'm so nervous. If people don't know what we're talking about, like the comments, you know, lately, lately the thing, it's been in Derek's feed on Instagram and Relevant's feed on Instagram. There have been a lot of contrarians voicing their opinions about a lot of issues, whether it be conspiracies or justice issues or whatever. And there's certain things that Derek and I just don't, want to tolerate and so we will engage these people and it never ends well but we screenshot it and send it to each other and uh, Derek Derek has gone down a rabbit hole because I mean (laughs) he he sends me I I, well it sends us like just throughout the week he Derek develops these different strategies (laughs) for engaging conspiracy theorist trolls and Instagram threads he baits them he baits them in (laughs) he does only only to to let them expose themselves like Derek's strategy is, is not not just confrontation. It's I'm going to bait you yeah. in to yeah. exposing your your most wild conspiracy theory, and then I'm going to be like, "Gotcha! I didn't care." <laughs> and, you know, like this was all a trap. No, yeah. Jesse, it was all your fault, bro. If I'd have never met you, bro, I'd never be this way. <laughs> it's you. It's you. You did this to me. He, oh he my gosh! Like somebody will kind of expose himself as being a conspiracy theorist, and then Derek will reply, egging them on. They don't. They don't know it though. He'll be like. Yeah. And you know, it's even more than that. Like I, you know what I found out is like George Soros funds relevant. And then the person don't try to walk that back, Cam. I did the investigative (laughs) research on, on 4chan and QAnon and I found it out. Person having no awareness that Derek is messing with them is like, if you know what to look for, the evidence has been there for a long time. Derek, they think Derek's like they're Trump, like they're outsider on the inside I to expose us. Trump. I am <laughs> black you're, you're, Trump. Let me be your Trump. <laughs> hey, can, can I supposedly relevant? Let me be that. I want to be your Trump. Can I can I talk about I another conspiracy theory that I went down a rabbit hole with? And this one's apolitical. And I okay. feel like um, Good. we need an apolitical one. Um, it, it, it involves TikTok, but not in like the, you know, big, bad Chinese government, uh, uh, you know, infiltration yeah. conspiracy. Yeah. Someone said this on Twitter and this weekend, I, I probably spent about 90 minutes to two hours going down the rabbit hole. And, uh, I, I and I don't know what to make of this. Some of the, the relevant editorial team who spends a lot of time looking for interesting things on the internet day to day, uh, may be aware of this, but I wasn't until I, I started going down the rabbit hole because it's big in the TikTok community right now. And that it's a conspiracy theory involving Howie Mandel. You guys know Howie Mandel, right? Yes. No, not Howie, man. Listen, no, 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 no listen. Hey, leave Howie listen. alone. No, I'm not. I'm not coming after Howie. Okay, okay this is right. this is about protecting Howie. So Howie okay. Mandel, uh, okay. you know, he's been Jesse. A- should I? Should we bring in? Like the Hollis yes. is next. Yes. Waiting in the wings right bring now. Him. Bring him. Okay. Okay. So back after a two week hiatus, this is the part of the show where we bring in our senior editor, Tyler Huckabee, for this week's hot list. Uh, play the jingle, Clark. It's the hot list. The hot list. It's sizzling. All right. All right. So Tyler does have three items that he's going to bring us today. Welcome, Tyler. Hey, everybody. Hey, hey Tyler. Uh, Tyler, we brought you on early because Jesse was just starting down a, uh, to tell us about something that I know you know about. So I thought you would add to the conversation. Wait, can I tell you something real quick, Jesse? Yes. 
Listen, you guys are ruining my life because last Friday, I mean, last week after we recorded, I have told everyone I have had a conversation with about these new conspiracy theories Yeah, and I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop talking about it. And they're all like, what, what? So now I have another one. You're about to tell me another one. Quote, quote uh, for our new ad campaign, Clark, write that down. Jamie Ivey, y'all are ruining my life. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Jamie, at least you said y'all. Derek directly (laughs) implicated me. He's like, and since I met you. Jesse, you ruined my life. <laughs> okay, now what do I have to stress about with Howie Mandel? I, know, I got right. the tail. I got the very beginning of this, Jesse, and, and I I know what you're talking about, and I can't wait to hear your my your take breakdown of this. And I yeah. want to hear. I, yeah, I'll give you my my high level breakdown, and then Tyler, you can tell me. You know, as someone, because I feel like Tyler, you know, you and I have worked together for many the many trenches. years. You know, the trenches, and, man. and 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 yeah. we're we're like any good uh uh you know duo. Uh, throughout history, you know, <laughs> he brings different strengths to the table than I do. I kind of bring wild-eyed, uh, just enthusiasm. <laughs> Tyler can be more measured, and he cares about things like journalistic integrity. Or I'm just like, <laughs> let's hunt down the most interesting story. Facts be darned, because sometimes facts are a bummer. Okay, so here is my the Howie the Howie Mandel thing. So uh, he has been during well. First off, let me let me back up for people who don't know Howie Mandel has been a comedian for a long long time he's had you know appeared on on television he's in different germaphobe. capacities yeah uh but but he's currently probably most well known for his role on uh america's got talent right the wildly popular deal or no deal that's yeah, how he was, i know him he, yeah deal or deal. <laughs> he's been around a long time and he's got a big following and i'll be honest i've never heard one pre- person say anything bad about howie mandel like he is someone i've never Period. met someone who I've never met one person who said, I'm a Howie Mandel fan, okay? But I have not heard one person ever say, I don't like Howie Mandel. Yeah. It's like everyone sort of has like, Titanic I would say, ideal. yeah, they, 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 they straddle the Venn the Vin diagram of, of Howie Mandel is sort of indifference to comfort. Like, yeah. oh, Howie Mandel's on the show. That's cool. So I pleasant, don't have a problem. With, pleasant. Yeah, yeah, pleasant. yeah. Pleasant yeah. indifference. Okay. That's yeah. what we'll say. That's the, that's the place he occupies in current <laughs> pop culture. It's gone to concern. Deep, deep, deep oh, concern. No. You went from present and different to concern. Because he's been posting these TikTok videos during quarantine. And most of them are like just regular, goofy TikTok comedy videos. He's dancing in a lot of them. But some of them have kind of taken a strange turn lately. Uh-oh. Um, Howie Mandel, he did one where he he cut open a, a, a paper bag. And, and he said, this is like a DIY hack. And... Uh, and, and it was like, here is how to make a bag for your shoes and stuff, right? Like, th- this is a bag where you can keep your shoes and shoelaces. It made no sense. And when he's pointing to the bag, it says shoes and, and it says other, and then it says uh, stuff. And as he wrote it, it looks like he's kind of pointing to the letters SOS. And I'm like, well, that's, the, you know, like when you're kind of reading into it. So then he did another video where he's telling like a corny joke and he's wearing like a baseball cap, you know, frontwards. But people noticed that in very subtle writing under the bill was a number. And they looked up the number and it was a police code for uh, like a abduction or, or, or home invasion. Oh, then whoa, whoa, he did whoa, a whoa. video where he puts, and, and, and Howie Mandel famously has, uh, you know, um, He's talked openly about it, so so this isn't uh, you know I'm not kind of breaking something, but he he has struggled in different points of his life with varying degrees of OCD when it comes to like germ stuff. Like he's yeah, yeah he's a germaphobe. 
Yeah. 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 But, but clinically, he, he, he has obsessive compulsive disorder. And That's like why he shaved his head and he yeah. won't shake anybody's hand. He would always do right. the fist bump thing. So yeah. here's the other one. Mm. He had a video where the police's uh, message in a bottle is playing, which is, you guys know the lyrics, I'm sending an SOS to the world. And he puts a water bottle into the toilet and acts like he's flushing it away to get his message out to the world. That's very uncharacteristic of him because he doesn't typically like germy stuff like putting water bottles in a toilet. He released more and more of these videos. At one point, uh, people said, hey, if you're in trouble, blink twice. Sure enough, his next video, as he's Stop. doing it, he only blinks twice looking at the camera. There's been, there's been other things like some of the way, some of the, the outfit choices that he's had that uh, you know uh, people think have different clues. So people are analyzing his TikTok videos and they think that Howie Mandel is in quarantine, but he's in danger somehow. That maybe there are people that uh, have, for reasons that are not clear, have uh, are holding Howie Mandel in some sort of weird TikTok hostage situation, <laughs> and he's trying to send out clues through his dance videos that he is in help, that he is in danger. Tyler, you've known this story. Fill in any gaps and tell me: Do you think Howie Mandel's messing with us, or do you think that, do you think something's going on with Howie Mandel? Well, I really I feel the need to be very careful here, obviously, because uh, if something bad actually happens. Yeah, I don't, don't want to be. I would say that this is it. a this is pretty common on uh, on Twitter, like finding like analyzing celeb posts for secret messages about being held hostage. Britney Spears is a really common target of this. Richard Simmons was a what well, well, that was a big, a very long standing uh, conspiracy story. KJ Appa from uh, from Riverdale uh, gets this a lot. So this is not what's happening with Howie Mandel is not like unique. It, what would maybe be unique in this case is that he's intentionally stoking the it's not it's not like a conspiracy theory thing where people are putting together things that don't seem to have any real bearing on reality because he's clearly. In he's on clearly he's, he's in messing, on this. He's playing yeah. along. Bruh, yeah. He's yeah. like Derek. See what's happening? He is rolling out an escape room game show. Oh, like, it's I, a rollout. It's oh, a rollout. How did I not see he, this? He, 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 because he, he, y'all are some conspiracy theorists. I told y'all y'all ruined my life, bro. <laughs> Derek said it too. Hey, so, so he did. He did release a video uh, uh, earlier this week that just him looking at the camera saying, "I'm fine. I'm really fine." You can hear kids playing in the background, but he's wearing a shirt with this crazy like nautical coordinates on it. I I, I think he's honestly doing he's some sort of fun with it. I think he is having fun with he's it, and I encourage out a it. Game show. I'm trying to tell y'all. For Production thing to be true, you would need kidnappers who are smart enough to somehow stage an incredible lockdown of Howie Mandel's mansion, but too stupid to realize that the TikTok teens have figured it out and right. he's using his social media posts to uh, like. To so, get help. so probably he posted this first one or two that had these innocuous clues, accidental yeah. clues. Yeah. He saw the buzz and now he's messing with them or he's playing along. I like it. I Jesse, like it too. You would do that. You would oh, do I that. would. Jesse. I would too. Oh, totally. I would too. And and I feel like I just couldn't help myself. Once I saw the conspiracies, <laughs> like all the conspiracies, I would be. I would be doing. What, he's doing what Derek's doing. He Derek's is baiting doing the people same thing. in. He is baiting people in, getting them comfortable, getting them further down the rabbit hole. But he's getting a laugh, laugh, last laugh. Derek, what do you think about Howie Mandel right now? Because this uh, this is basically the tactic you've deployed. Yeah, this is what Derek Instagram does on comments. the Instagram comments. Oh my god! <laughs> Look, man. 
Howie is rolling out a game show. It's going to come out probably in the fall. And then we're going to be like, look, escape room. Oh, man. And y'all are going to say I'm right. And then that's going to be that. And I'm going to get a raise on the relevant podcast. And it's going to be great. That's what it's going to be. Or either that or I'm going to quit and join the FBI. It's just there you go. Oh, gosh. <laughs> or I'm going to join Scooby-Doo and, and the Mystery Machine. I, like, I don't, like, I'm trying to tell y'all, bro. Like, Keeping options open. I like. That's what it is. You know, it's either, look, it's either I stay here, I'm going to the FBI, or I'm joining Scooby-Doo. That's what it is. All right. Well, Tyler, you're here. So why don't you bring us this week's hot list items? You bet. The actual hot list item from this week? The actual stuff that we've been covering at RelevantMagazine.com. <laughs> Three of the... Wait, that wasn't it? Yeah, I'm many off things. Yeah. The Howie Mandel beat is not my usual. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Wait, you guys are killing the... Tyler, you're killing those stories that I submitted? I've submitted a good 6,000 words. Thanks a lot, dude. <laughs> Faith, culture, and Howie Mandel. That's <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the first one I want to talk about is actually uh, is, is a bit of a serious one that's been uh, that was released. This is a new report that came out about uh, Christian refugees in the mm. U.S. Here, this is a stark new report from both World Relief and Open Doors that reveals the toll uh, the hardline refugee policy of the last few years has taken on persecuted Christians. According to this analysis, the U.S. will welcome its fewest refugees since our resettlement policy was formalized back in 1980. At the current rate, America will resettle about 90% fewer Christian refugees in 2020 than we did just five years ago. Um, So a little bit of background here that's necessary. The Trump administration set 2020's refugee cap, the most that we will allow in, at 18,000. That's far and away the lowest on record. But with only three months left in the fiscal year, we've only resettled about 7,600 600 refugees. Of those, about 950 are Christians from the top 50 countries in the world where Christians face the most persecution. All right. Mm. So between 1980 and 2016, the majority of the 81,000 on average per year refugees resettled in the U.S. were Christians, most of whom were fleeing persecution. And so it's really difficult to overstate just how dramatically the wow. last three years have disrupted that pattern. But, but for example, uh, the U.S. resettled in uh, 2016, we resettled 2,300 Christians from Iran, 2,000 Christians from Iraq. Uh, this year, we resettled 50 Christians from Iran and Ooh. 86 Christians yeah. from Iraq. So yeah. it is not, we're not talking about a slowdown. We're talking about slamming on the brakes. I remember when, when the immigration, the refugee stuff was being talked about a few years ago that like, I remember Christian leaders on Capitol Hill advocating that they were basically, uh, remember the, the countries too, that were on the list. It was to prefer Christian refugees Mm-hmm. to come in and and push away other religion other, other religious refugees and that was a big thing that christian leaders were advocating for for the administration to help christian refugees and prefer christian refugees so this is startling and like and you can talk about you know religious bias and that that's not fair yeah. and all that thing that was controversial at the time but now to hear this stats that 
basically all Christian refugees are getting blocked out as well. Mm -hmm. I wonder how that's playing in the faith leader circles. That's interesting. Well, it is worth pointing out. And I do want to, I do want to make sure that this is said here too, that this is not just affecting Christian refugees, as you might imagine. There has been a uh, Christian refugees, like like I said, 90% drop. There has been a 95% drop in the resettlement of the Baha'i from Iran, another persecuted religious group. There's Mm. been a 98% drop in Muslims from Burma, another religiously persecuted group. And uh, the Yazidi from Iraq has dropped by 92% Mm. as well. So there has been a huge shutdown across the board that's obviously compounded this year by COVID. But this Mm. was already well on track to being the case before the COVID shutdown took place. I just remember the spin in the Christian circle, Christian political circles was, you know, we're going to ban the other bad religions and bring in the Christian refugees Our only, religion, pretty yeah. much. Which you is know? awful, by the way. This is not okay. <laughs> yeah. Which is awful. It's awful spin, by the yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's directly counter to the teachings of Christ. Right. You know, I mean, exactly. it is in direct opposition. And American values. I mean. Yeah. 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 But it, I, I will say this, uh, you know, if people are looking for a way um, to, uh, you know, support organizations that are on the front lines, uh, I've been really deeply impressed with the work that uh, World Relief has been involved mm-hmm. with in recent years. Um, you know, they've their organization has taken a huge hit because of, of lack of they've had to close offices because of cuts in federal funding. But you know, they work they're unbiased in their refugee resettlement compassion. It doesn't matter. Uh, who someone is, what they believe, or where they came from. If they're here to be resettled as refugees, World Relief, even though they are a Christian organization, you know that they don't discriminate based on on people's beliefs. So, if you're looking for an organization to learn more about and potentially support, definitely check out the work that that World Relief has been able to continue to do and emphasize, even you know when there is a direct uh, there's no other way to say it assault on their mission which is to to be uh you know kind of the 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 people who handle a lot of the refugee resettlement uh, uh logistics i want to say too there's this organization called women of welcome and their whole goal is to educate evangelical women about um welcoming uh, people into our country and i have seen them do phenomenal work in helping christian women understand how to love like Christ loved with welcoming immigrants and asylum seekers. So that too, but you know what, Tyler, this reminds me like, this is another story. We don't have to go there, but this is what's happening with the um, college kids who mm. are international students. I mean, right, you know, we're seeing right. this whole yeah. thing yeah, of like, yeah, yeah. let's just try to get like, make all these international students go home to some of them don't have places to live there. They don't have a good future there. And it's all of this pushing immigrants out. It's, I think it's, it's alarming to myself. It's deeply mm. troubling. Yeah. yeah. Super. Yeah. yeah. It, it's crazy. I know we probably already saw this story, but there is some conversational meat on these bones for this next story here. Uh, I guess we'll call them the uh, Washington's NFL team. Now, uh, who has no name, Uh, after years of pressure from indigenous communities and activists, they have dropped Redskins from their name. That is considered a slur for Native American groups. Um, Washington's football team, actually one of the oldest in the country, has defended the name over and over again over the years. Owner Dan Snyder insisted, said, direct quote, we will never change the name Um, until uh, this week when he told he told The New York Times that a new team 
team name will take into account not only the proud tradition and history of the franchise, but will also input from our alumni, the organization, sponsors, the NFL, and the local community it is proud to represent on and off the field. Now, I do want to point uh, this out here. Hundreds of sports teams around the country have ditch names and mascots featuring indigenous imagery, but professional teams have been much more resistant, probably because they've got millions of dollars that they've dumped into the branding and merchandising here. You've got franchises like the Kansas City Chiefs, the Atlanta Braves, the Cleveland Indians. They've all fielded criticism over the years for standing by their team names. Some of these groups have announced that they're taking another look at these names now. Washington's team had been under a particular spotlight. It was founded by a guy named George Preston Marshall. He was the last owner in the NFL to sign a black player, and he only did so under legal pressure from the federal government. Uh, so Damn there boy, was racist, so racist. Long, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was racist, racist. <laughs> he, 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 he was so racist, the federal government had to intervene. That's if racist. America is telling you you're too racist, you're really too racist. It's like, that was like, like that Dave Chappelle skit where he's like, you ever see something so racist? You're just like, dang, that's racist. It's like you don't even get mad. That's crazy. Yo. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> There's a lot of talk on Monday and over the course of the week about the how they, they did the right thing and they finally listened to what people were saying. I think that's, that we need to push back on that narrative a little bit here. It is the right thing. Don't, don't get me well, wrong. Who are they listening to is what you're going to say. Agree. But who are they listening to and how did this the happen? The people making that comment on Relevant's Instagram post about this got pushed back on by <laughs> Relevant because that is they, they aren't doing the right thing. They aren't listening. They're whatever. Literally, Dan Snyder has been outspoken saying that he would never change this name. You know why they're changing the name? Because the stadium sponsor yeah. said, we're pulling out. Nike pulled yeah. all their merch. Uh, major sponsors said, Walmart, we're not going to Target, not, yeah. Amazon. We're not selling yeah. your merch anymore. Yep. Guess what? Oh, now we'll listen. Well, guess what? It's because it's affecting his bottom line. That's Man, the only reason. Th- think about how disrespectful that name is. The Redskins. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's like the Braves. I'm like, okay, Chiefs. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's like, all right, but the Redskins, that just sounds like it's a, a slur. slur. It's a it slang. Yeah. It, it I mean, a slur, like, yeah. Have you ever seen the uh, shirt Bomani Jones was wearing and it was the, he redid the logo and it said the Washington Caucasians and it's yeah, a white yeah, guy. Yeah. I was just thinking to myself, like, that's a perfect image of how this looks. Like, it's just super disrespectful, like, for, for it to go on this long. But if you, it's if like, you, this is crazy. If you research Redskin, like that term, it is absolutely a racist, derogatory term, akin to other terms with other for other races that we won't oh, name. Oh, it sounds mm-hmm. like oh, it sounds yeah. like it. I, look, I listen. One thing about it, I grew up in the rural South. I know a racial slur when I hear one, but yeah. right. like I was, I was called stuff. I was like, dang, I never heard that before. But that's so disrespectful. <laughs> it, just felt so, it felt so, so disrespectfully your soul. You like, dang, boy, that's that's a new one. Like, how is what that will okay? Happen? Like, if you own Redskins. Like, like my son has a Washington Redskins hoodie because he became a Redskins fan when Colt McCoy, who played for Texas, played there. So he has a jersey. He's got a hoodie. Does that stuff become valuable or like are you ashamed to wear it like what do you do with all that are oh, you trying to sell yeah. it on ebay i see no. what you're doing you're like we're gonna burn it we're gonna sell this mug on ebay yeah yeah you know my my son has stuff from there because he became a fan 
Yeah, I wouldn't wear <laughs> <Sure>. it. <laughs> well, well, I, I will say this too, that, it, you know, I, I'm no fan of, I live in a part of the country where there's a lot of fans of that team and I'm no fan of Dan Snyder and neither are fans of that team. But I, I, and I do credit the sponsors for taking a lot of action, but I also think there's something to be said for the recent hire of Ron Rivera as head coach, who's coming into his first season. Uh, you know, he is a, he is someone, he's one of the figures and especially among NFL coaches who I feel like is going to be remembered on the right side of history. That's good. Um, he's mm. spoken out in, in his belief that, I mean, this is a quote from earlier this year uh, about, um, you know, kneeling for the flag. He said it had nothing to do with our, our military, nothing to do with our first responders, nothing to do with the flag. It had everything to do with social injustice and brutality, police brutality, and working to get that corrected. He's been on the record saying that he he supports players' right to demonstrate. He's the third. He's only the third. Uh, 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 you know, person of uh, Latino heritage uh, to be a head coach in the NFL. And I, I really think his um, hire as head coach, along with this name change, hopefully signals that that organization is going in a different direction. They've struggled, yeah. The last, uh, the last story I want to tell, we will make this quick. And this is this is one we've kind of been, uh, we, need, we need to obviously step lightly on this conversation because there's a lot of things happening. So I'm just going to relay the the. The overview of what happened. Just to give you the bullet points here. If you were on Twitter on Monday, you probably saw Chance the Rapper was trending, uh, and uh, it was a there was a lot of drama and all this. So I'll break it down as uh, as easily as I can as to what happened on July fourth. Kanye West followed through on his longstanding uh, promise to run for presidential. He tweeted that he was running for president. Now, you do need to do more than tweet that you're running for president for it to be official. But he did say <laughs> that, that I was And then he sat down with Forbes. He gave an interview about his policy. It was sort of an, uh, it was an, a bit of an erratic conversation uh, that, that did raise, uh, I'd say, a lot more questions than it raised Dan. <laughs> about his campaign and what he would do if he were to win the election. I mean, he is calling it the birthday party, and that's right. kind of cool. <laughs> I, I, I kind of like that. So there's been a lot of skepticism around this campaign, but that did not come from his friend, his frequent collaborator, and really, in many ways, his protege, Chance yeah. the Rapper. Yeah. Uh, Chance tweeted that he was uh, that he was not planning. He's a very frequent and vocal critic of President Donald Trump, does not want Trump to be president for another term, but says that he was planning to vote for Kanye over Biden in the upcoming election here. He got a lot of pushback on this. I would say he got maybe exclusively pushback on all of this. Uh, nobody was very happy about the idea of Chance coming out in favor of a Kanye run. At first, he sort of doubled down. Uh, he saying why he admired Kanye, some of his problems with Joe Biden, which I think a lot of people probably listening to this podcast, a lot of people on this podcast would probably agree that Biden has got certainly some liabilities, as every presidential candidate does going into it. And Chance articulated those, I think, uh, pretty ably, if you want to go check out his Twitter feed there. But by the end of the day, uh, Chance said, I, I believe the uh, uh, he his uh, direct quote was, first he said that he was planning to die on this hill. 
Uh, and then he said, okay, now I'm sprinting down the hill. He says, I understand the improbability of Ye winning the 46th presidential seat. And I understand that everyone voting for Biden isn't necessarily doing so enthusiastically. I'm for black liberation. And he said, I do not accept my recent endorsement from Terry Crews, who had actually come out in support of Chance. Uh, and that eventually that evidently kind of scared Chance off of his of the hill. A Y'all got to leave Terry Crews alone, dog. Y'all cannot... <laughs> Bro, people cannot get mad at a man that can uh, twerk his muscles like Terry Crews can. <laughs> like facts on facts, man. Like I think we need to get him on the podcast. I will because it's really crazy how Terry Crews went literally from being the guy that people were like, "Oh, it's so brave for him to speak out about mm-hmm. you know the, the issue," and then all of a sudden it's like like Terry Crews is like a pariah now. Like I really want to know yeah. like how he feels or what happened. Like. Like it's like life comes at you fast, he, man. You he, know what I mean? He he has been on the I I, I I'm pretty certain he's, he's been, been on the pod. podcast. Yeah. He's been in the yeah. magazine, yeah. But this yeah, is pre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, we Before gotta get we gotta get post. Yeah. Yeah. This was like yeah. he had him on to talk about the sexual addiction and the the, the story, right, you know, his right. big story. This was a couple of years ago. Since that moment, he's gotten more and more conservative in his in his views that he's spoken publicly. And there's definitely been factions of his fan base and the public at large that have, you know, turned on him, you know, so yeah, it's, it's it, crazy. It, 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 and, and I think beyond just sort of, in, you know, sort the, the political implications of some of the things he said, I just think to um, <clears throat> he seems to be one of those people that thinks out loud. You know what I mean? Yep, and, and, yep, and, and, yep. and does it necessarily? And it, look, this is my perception of reading things that he said recently that have been controversial that maybe he hasn't, you know, fully considered all of the implications of. And I think that's what's concerned people, you know, in addition to, to maybe what some of the political implications are, but, you know, really kind of breaking down some of the things here he's, he's saying to try. Yeah. You know, I guess the, I think the question that a lot of people are asking is like, is this a productive time to bring up the things that he's brought up? Like, mm-hmm. is it taking the focus away from right, some of right. the advocacy? Right. You know what I mean? Uh, all that to say, I think he's an interesting figure and I think, you know, we, we should support civil dialogue, but, you know, it, I, I understand some people's concerns with some of what he said. Specifically about the Kanye candidacy, did you see the poll earlier this week mm-hmm. that came out? The first actual national polling of him as a candidate came out and Kanye got, well, the, you know, the major concern that people are saying to people like chance, like, please don't distract you. It's going to pull votes away from the candidate that we prefer, you know, toward a candidate that's not going to win. Uh, you know, it's the Ralph Nader effect sort of a thing. Um, so the polling is actually interesting in that respect. Kanye has 2% two of the vote, but interestingly, it did not lower the Biden supporters. The, the 2% <laughs> came from Trump. It went from, <laughs> and so that was that was interesting. It's like <laughs> life co- life comes at you fast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah the Biden support stayed the same. Yeah, it was interesting. Hey, can, okay, can can I just uh, and, and listen? This is just another you know observation. But if I were if I were to get, put us all in a time machine, okay, and just take <laughs> us back, let's say seven years ago, six years ago. Okay, uh, and, and say, hey, there's going to be a moment in six years in the future where we're talking, where we have a legitimate, non-joking conversation on this very podcast about the chances that Kanye West will disrupt the re-election campaign of 
President Donald Trump. Like, people have been like, no, no, no. What has happened? Like, what variation in in the space time? Yeah. Like, how did this happen? That's six years from now? You're talking about Kanye West running against Donald Trump? Legitimately for the president of the United States? That's a conversation people are having? In the middle of a global pandemic? Yeah. Oh, wild, wild that we're all in quarantine? Yeah, wearing masks, yes. That is true. That is true. Holy cow. Crazy. I do think it's worth noting one thing I did like about Chance here, which which uh, I'd be remiss to not know, is that for all the for, you know, I, I've got a lot of problems with the idea of a Kanye West presidency, but I can appreciate that this is and this is not easy to do. Chance kind of owned up to the fact that he'd stepped in it and maybe he hadn't done the reading before he, he started uh-huh. talking about something. And that's not something that's easy to do, especially for a very public figure like he mm-hmm, is. And mm-hmm. I, I think that that shows a lot of maturity and growth and he sounds like he went to bed maybe a little sadder but wiser at the end of the day and that's all any of us can hope for here in the darkest timeline so i i think so i do want to give a shout out to chance for that much and i'm going to try to remember to do that myself when when i get canceled next time which will happen (laughs) (laughs) i feel like if you cancel somebody they get more famous like bro i'm like go ahead and cancel me me bro because i'm trying to get famous that's what i'm doing i'm working on it man okay you know you know what's weird too is like right before whenever i saw a celebrity's name trending it, it, it was the same pattern that that slight feeling of panic of oh no something happened he's no longer and then the first post is someone it's you can count it is someone posting the denzel gif of him like of like leaning yeah. back sighing in relief and it's like oh i clicked on the name and i thought i no longer think that i no longer think that person's dead and i'm gonna get a relieved denzel washington gift it's like what stupid thing did this famous person say that we all have to be aware of now like it, it is like I, I i feel like on a daily basis yeah. you, you know you you see notable people saying um you know cringeworthy things so uh do you, ever I, just, do you ever just give up like you see it and you're just like i don't have time for this this, <laughs> <laughs> this, this looks i'm like very tired i'm very very tired <laughs> all right well thanks tyler for more of that type of content every day over at relevantmagazine.com. We are covering the intersection of faith and culture. Go check it out. All right. Stay tuned up next for King and Country. Join us. You're listening to our next guest. It's for King and Country. The song is Joy. Clark, do you remember when they did that in our studio? Those live performances, if you guys missed them a year and a half ago or so, when for King and Country came to the Relevant Studio, they did phenomenal. They brought like 30, 40 people with them. It seemed like amazing. Go check out the Relevant YouTube channel and watch those performances. Uh, really one of the best ones we ever did. It was awesome. Well, today's show is brought to you by Lumo. Lumo is a stunning visual Bible shot with accuracy and cinematography like you've honestly never seen before. And now Lumo just released brand new content from the Gospels to help people better engage the Bible and the example of Jesus. 
Make sure to check out these breathtaking and powerful short films on Lumo's all new YouTube page. Just go to YouTube and search for Lumo. And you can also find out more at lumoproject.com. For King & Country has been one of the biggest names in Christian music since 2011. Since the pandemic has turned the music industry upside down, they recently released a lockdown music video with high-profile friends Tori Kelly and Kirk Franklin. We talked to the guys about their pandemic experience and how they've learned to weep with those who weep. Here is Luke and Joel Smallbone from For King and Country. We had, it was a Canadian tour, coast to coast, our first time there. And it, we were going up on the bus. And I remember Dad, who manages, walking to the front lounge saying, hey, they're, um, they've just shut down, you know, the, the, the flights from Europe. And that was kind of the beginning of the domino, right? So by the time we, we played Ottawa the first night, I remember walking to the news station and there was pandemic on all of the headlines. And I didn't even naive homeschooler over here was like, Hey, what's the difference between an epidemic and a pandemic? You know? And the lady was like, well, this is actually a worldwide thing. This is a, like a, a localized national thing. So it wasn't until Toronto, the second night, which would be the last night of the tour um, for the moment, at least uh, because at 1201, the next morning they put a cap on all the, you know, large group gatherings. And, sh- and um, Luke walked off stage that night because we'd been playing together like an unreleased version of it live. And, 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 and Luke walked off stage and looked at me and was like, hey man, I think it's, the time is now. And what's crazy is it's been this kind of cascading, you know, uh, list of events, obviously, from the pandemic to this kind of racial and social um, uh, loss and unrest. I think I do read history a little bit differently um, now, which, uh, and I have been doing, you know, as much. I think the first conclusion I came to when all of the, the racial tension things started to, to really spike to the level that they are now is how little I know and how, how truly naive I am. Uh, and, uh, and I've actually had some discussions with, uh, you know, we have uh, Daniel Jones is in Albany, the black man, and we're having some discussions with him just saying, man, I, I, I'm sorry, I just didn't understand X, Y, or Z. And there's so much complication uh, in these issues. And sadly, uh, a lot of this has fallen to sides. You know, uh, we don't actually think of this as, as morally right and wrong. Let's try to figure out a way through together. We actually just say, well, you're on that side and I'm on this side. I think my first hope would be that we wouldn't see it as sides. And then the other thing is, um, I, I don't, um, uh, in the Bible, it talks about the, the people when they're mourning and they're hurting you mourn with them. And in some cases, I don't have the answer. And everything that I'm looking on social media, I don't see anybody else that has the answer really either. But one thing I do know is that when somebody's hurting, to come alongside them and hurt with them. 
And, and that seems to provide some sort of help. It seems to provide some sort of healing in the process. It's like when you go to somebody, uh, somebody's funeral, um, you know, are you ever going to actually ask them, well, how are you doing? How are you feeling? You know, so what are you going to do next week? You know, after you buried your spouse, you're not, you're not going to do that. The best thing that you can do at a funeral is just be like, Hey man, um, I love you and I'm here with you. And I think that's been my, my attempt in the things that I've walked through is just been, been saying that, Hey man, I'm, I'm here with you and I love you. Well, let's, let's walk this together. On one hand, you have the like people just looking for kind of the potholes in the song, the lyric, or the like. Well, you missed it. The, the kind of the critique, you know, the critics. And then on the other side, which is the more dominant side, thankfully, and the more kind of beautiful side, you have these, this group of people that actually see a song and an idea through their own lens. And I think actually that's one of the, the great kind of radical uh, beauties of music is that Luke and I can write a song with the team about something that is very specific to our experience. And then someone completely in a whole different country in this case, you know, in, you know, in a different political situation, racial, social, spiritual situation can take that same song and apply it to themselves and it can mean something else. That's the universalism. That's why I think music is the universal language um, in many ways. And so I think if it weren't for that, that, that component to it that you just mentioned, I think it would, a lot of the charm of music would, would leave because then it just becomes kind of self-indulgent. Like this is, this is bigger than Luke and me, you know, these, these stories are not our stories. They might, they might've been our stories at one point, but the moment you release a God only knows, you know, it becomes in that case, Dolly Parton's story and Timberland's story, or, you know, this became Tories and Kirk's and Choir's story. That was for King and Country. To read the rest of that conversation, head over to relevantmagazine.com. Stay tuned. Up next, it's Slices. listening to foster the people it's our new single the things we do okay it's time for slices what do you have jesse all right i found this one pretty surprising but i, I wanted to go around the horn here and see what you guys thought uh, a a recent 
a recent study has found that up to uh, 70% uh, of respondents, this was commissioned by Lisa Sleep, um, that uh, said that their sleeping habits have become really inconsistent under quarantine. Now, that that's not all that surprising, but what is surprising is that 63% said that their sleep schedules may be permanently ruined by the pandemic. And it's for really what I felt like was a really interesting reason is a lot of people are working from home still, you know, and unless, uh, you know, shout out to all the people who work in, you know, all these uh, essential, essential yes, uh, thank you guys. capacities, seriously, that they are the ones keeping everything going and are, are very heroic and, and truly selfless in, in, in reporting to work in these conditions. But for people who aren't, who are working from home, uh, what they found is that uh, they, they tried to break down, okay, what is it about, the, about quarantine that's going to permanently affect people's sleep? And the problem is when people started working from home, and this is what they, they did, they dug into the numbers and did some research on this, they, that uh, people would, because they didn't have a commute in the morning, their mornings were getting shorter and they, some people just weren't getting dressed for work. And, uh, you know, some people were drinking their first cup of coffee as the work day was starting. And they found that many people, uh, during quarantine wake up now 10 minutes before the work day starts. <laughs> they go from fast asleep to behind the keyboard within 10 minutes. Now, prior to the quarantine, that's a, that's a, that's an hour and a half process. You got to get dressed. You're going to, you know, get some coffee, wash your face, maybe read a little, do your thing. The, how is that affecting sleep habits? Well, people now are staying up way later than they ever have in their whole lives. And it's turning, the quarantine is turning people into insomniacs. Now, part of it is blamed on binge watching. They said binge watching is way up. And part of it is blamed on people thinking, well, I'll just catch up and sleep by pushing pushing it to the last possible moment before I got to get out of bed. But it's been going on for so long now that some people think their sleep is permanently messed up. Uh, it, but there's no reason. People can still just go to bed when right. they normally go to bed and still wake up when they normally wake up. But something about this, and I guess just maybe it's a, a thing of human nature, that's not happened. Has, have you guys, has your sleep habits been affected? By 100%. Porn? 100%. Yeah. Like you stay up too late now? Yeah. For me, like I think that I think the binge watching thing, Jesse, I think it's the anxiety distraction. You know, people like when they're fear or uncertainty or anxiety, a lot of them will self-medicate, whether it be drinking or, or, you know, a bad habit or vice. I think the binge watching is that it's a distraction to keep your mind from dealing with a lot of the pressures and uncertainty that we're all facing. I would say in my life, that's been it a little bit and I'm at least self-aware um, I backed into this, you know, like we just kind of like, I, th- I didn't have a plan coming into this working yeah. from home and all this kind of stuff. And so I'm working at the breakfast table and like things I re- I realized when I was in Wyoming a couple weeks ago, it was like this line in the sand for me where I, this has gone on too long where I, I used to get up at seven and take my kid to school. I dropped him off. I'd go to the gym. Then I'd go to mm-hmm. work and I had structure in my day. And now he's home. And like, mm-hmm. I have an 8.30 meeting. I wake up at 8.28, roll out there. I'll brush my teeth <laughs> yeah. at 11. I mean, like, right. I'm like, it, and then and then it's like at 3.30, my kid who's trapped in the house is like, uh, you know, going crazy. So it's like, okay, fine. Let me, uh, let's go to the grocery store, you know? And like, I'll work tonight to make up the time. And so then I'm, he goes to bed and I work again. And then it's like 11 and I got to turn my mind off. So I'll put on friends or the office or something. And next thing I know it's 2 AM and now I'm, it's the same thing. And I'm like, okay, 
this is a line in the sand. I've got to get a new routine. I've got to get structure in my life and get pretend like, so like I'm doing things since in the last week where I'm trying to give myself a sense of like balance and normalcy that I, I just didn't have during the quarantine, you know, working out, trying to like put hard boundaries on time and things like that, that that I used to have, but like physical distance and, offices and stuff gave it to me. And I just, I just backed into this. Y'all, I talked to you and Je- I talked to you and Tyler. I'm like, give me some tips. Y'all work from home. And, and Tyler told me like, I put on pants and shoes and dress as though I'm going to the office and I'm going to get dressed every day. Yeah. See, mm. That's what does it for me because I have my tiny house that I work in, but I could come over here in my like sweatpants. Who cares? But literally even during quarantine and now I put on real clothes every single day. I have to, or else I'll just, I, feel like I literally, I'm doing my nothing. son makes fun of me how many days in a row I'm wearing the same gym shorts. You know, like, like I shower, <laughs> but like, I don't look in the mirror. Like I, oh, I didn't shave in a week. Like, I, I don't know. I'll brush my teeth, but I don't like look yeah. up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's just like, I don't have that sense of like, I'm going out or I'm going to dinner. Or I'm going to a magic game or I'm like, there's no reason. It's so hard. I just like kind of float. And then the whole I, week goes by, you know what I mean? I, it's just, I don't know. I, 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 I've worked from home for a long time now, primarily. Um, and I learned over the last couple of years, even prior to quarantine, about the importance of of boundaries, right? Because when you work from home, you're always at work, right? Mm-hmm. Or you can always be. You can always be like, well, I'm going to jump ahead tonight yeah. to get it in, in, in front of tomorrow. All of a sudden, you get in that pattern and, and, and you're working weird hours, you're neglecting relationships that are important or, or at least not giving, you know, like, yeah. and then physical health starts going, social life, relational health. Boundaries are super, super important, especially... When all the the constructs, all the boundaries we self-impose, like, hey, I got to get in my car and go to the office at this time. I'm meeting friends at dinner at this time. When those go away, you, you have to kind of re- seriously reevaluate in order just to maintain some semblance of mental and social health, you know? Yeah. I don't have nothing. I've been, I've been a rapper for 10 years, so <laughs> I had to figure this out early. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I remember when, when I first, you know, the rap life is like wake up at 10 you know, stay up all night till two, three in the morning in the studio. But man, when I had my first kid, that changed everything because yeah. my son Nolan was up at, at 6 a.m. religiously. So that just changed my whole thing. And ever since then, I just it's been the same. So this hasn't really been been new, but I could I definitely could get it if you've been on a schedule for a long time. And then it's like, yo, you just work from home whenever I could definitely see people yeah. going into a routine that's not really healthy. So it, yeah. it, the tough thing for me, too, is just like at the same time as as quarantine was extending, we at relevant decided that we were going to embrace remote working long term. Like, I think a lot of people are going to do that. Yeah. Too. Yeah, we, we, had, we had a very expensive downtown studio office space and had the opportunity to transfer our lease to our neighbor who is expanding. And while we miss that beautiful location, the savings, I'll be frank, and economic uncertainty is just wisdom. And so for us, it's actually been pretty seamless from a workflow standpoint, everybody working remotely. So it was midstream that we made that decision long term. And so then I'm like, well, I need to build out certain studio facilities, office thing here in my house. I need to change up some some of my rooms. And so I'm under construction. And so I'm working from the breakfast table or the couch and stuff. So I just like, I just had no structure and it was just, mm. it was just took a toll on me. I think yeah. a lot of those late nights, a couple, the you know, last couple of weeks being on Instagram and being a little punchy, it was just like, again, not having that 
a kind of set structure, but this week's been a lot better. After the board member called me last week, I've been really <laughs> you got good. To the principal's I've office. been going to bed at 11. I've been, I've been not yelling I'm at sorry, people on the man. internet. You gotta stop hanging out with those black guys, bro. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna corrupt you, man. <laughs> All right. What do you have, Jamie? Okay, I have something. Uh, last week, the Supreme Court made a really big historic decision uh, in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, they said that they ruled that about half of Oklahoma, which I believe this includes Tulsa, is within a Native American reservation. Yeah. So, oh, wow. yeah, what this is going to do, it's going to have a lot. It's going to do a lot for past and future criminal and civil cases, because now those are going to be under federal court. So a lot of people are going to be able to even go back and ask for new trials, I think, because now it's under a different jurisdiction. It's now federal. And so it's a really big deal, you know, in their land and it's very sacred. And so now they're getting something back that is theirs. And I think it was a really cool thing that happened. And side note, if you guys, you guys don't know this, but my grandfather uh, is full-blooded Choctaw. He's he's with Jesus now, but he is. And he grew up in an orphanage. There's even a book about him. Look, I found it today. Um, So, yeah. So I I get a Christmas card every year from the chief of the Choctaw Nation. I get their newspaper every month. Like, I'm in. That's That's dope. dope. I I heard that this was because there was a a murder that happened in eastern Oklahoma where a Native American murdered uh, another citizen, a white citizen, and he was given the death penalty by the state of Oklahoma. Like like he was he's on, uh, you know, he got convicted and Mm -hmm. he's on death row. And they've been appealing, 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 saying, no, this crime happened on native land, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not the state of Oklahoma. This is yeah. an autonomous district. You can't prosecute me. And so like there's other, you know, there's other law enforcement. And, that's what it, that's what I and read. This too. Went all the way up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court this week did rule that, yes, that is true. This land is not it's under the protected. jurisdiction of the mm-hmm. state of Oklahoma and it will overturn a lot of these state convictions yeah. and it'll turn into this is a sovereign territory type yeah. legal process, which is fascinating. It yeah. is. It's fascinating. The tribe said in a statement, they said that this decision will allow the nation to honor our ancestors by maintaining our established sovereignty and territorial boundaries. And I think it's a huge win for for um for this uh tribe because i mean we all know history has not always has never been kind uh to native americans and just had land taken away from them yeah. time after time after time after time and so this has got to be a huge victory for them yeah for sure yeah all right what do you have Derek? man well i have a lot of choices man um <laughs> i'm just gonna keep it this there's some a, things this, going on. There's man, things this, going this, on right been, now? this has been a doozy this this last week. So, you know, at first I'll stick it. Maybe I'll cover uh, Will, Jada, and August Alcina. <gasps> entanglements. That, that, that love, you know, the entanglements because, you know, I've always <laughs> looked up to Will and Jada. And then, you know, in the, in the, in, uh, Jesse, in the, in the tone of Jesse, I was thinking about doing well, Wayfair Gate. Where oh, you, know, you got all of these this weird conspiracy theories, but you know what I've landed on because it's really important to me. What I've landed on is the idea that Bethel has cured racism. Oh my gosh, <laughs> they, they, we fixed it. Oh my gosh, they have 
invoked the spirit of Gandalf and said racism will not pass anymore. Similar to my man Kenneth Copeland, who just blew COVID away a couple months ago. So uh, Clark, play, play the audio. Roll the tape, baby. We're going we're gonna to see this in real time. Hear it in real time. Please stand up with us. Or if you could stand because you're standing in authority because you're all kings and priests. And all of us, we're an apostolic people. So as an apostolic team with the authority that God's given to us, we decree and declare that racism will end. It's over in the ecclesia from this night forward in Jesus' mighty name. Let's lift it up and bang it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, give him a praise over. So, theater, theater of the mind. They have a big old, they have a big old walking stick, like a Gandalf stick, and it's these uh, church leaders at Bethel in Redding, California, and they all have their hands on the walking stick, and they pound it into the ground on stage during a service, saying, "This is now, thou shalt not pass. Racism has ended." So, so listen, I, I'm probably not gonna be able to. I'm probably not gonna be able to do any shows at Bethel, but listen, God, <laughs> listen. I really feel like I'm so like at this point, 2020 is has shown me that nothing is impossible. Like, mm. you know, in a sense, I'm thinking we haven't even started the basics of what it takes to solve systematic racism, especially within the church. So, hey, forget that. Let's just cast a spell like Gandalf and hold a <laughs> stick and we'll just we'll just magically make it disappear. For, hey, we don't need to change any laws or anything like that. We just going to bam let's, with the stick. So I'm like, I, like, I saw that. I just was like, bruh. So, <laughs> I, 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 do, I do think, Derek, you're tapping into like, listen, you know, I grew up in a, in a very charismatic setting. And, and so I, did I. So did I. And, 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 I, and I firmly believe that, you know, what, what the Bible says about the importance of prayer, the importance of speaking life, and the, the importance of, you know, of, Amen. Of, of a spiritual battle. But the risk here is to subvert what we learn later. Like, so, so you learn those principles in, in acts, right? Like you right. see when Jesus left and they're really kind of activating spiritually, but then James comes along and says, mm -hmm. but wait, faith without works is dead. Damn. Like you, you can't just, you can't, speak it without acting it and what and the risk of making a declaration without actually it's not you know god can perform miracles but we're but when we pray thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven we are supposed to be the hands and feet that are that are bringing heaven to earth like that kingdom where racism doesn't exist is supposed to be brought by our hands through god's providence preach, if preach we if we, just, if we just say, if we just say, hey, click, God, I want this done, but I don't have to work for it. That's not what the gospel says. The gospel says, you know, this is what you're supposed to be working for. Pray for it. Pray for my provision. Pray for my discernment and wisdom. But you have to do it. Like, well, you have right. to do the work. Right. You know? And in their defense, in their defense, I will say, I don't know Bethel's social justice imprint in their community as far as in Reading, that particular church. So, I'm, I, you know, I guess it. Maybe I'm just cynical because part of me is like, you know, okay, that sentiment is great. And it was a diverse group of people on there. Yeah, uh, it, was. it wasn't just white people. You no. know, I mean, if it would have just been white people, I'd have blew it up. I'd have got to go crazy. But it was like, it was it was a black lady leading the charge. I was like, yeah. come on, sister. She I'm was the like, one who started the Gandalf chain. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like, you know. It, it, 
and and again, like there's there's nothing wrong with making bold spiritual declarations. Absolutely. As long as it's backed up. As long as it's backed as up. As long but, as it's but, backed up. As so. long as it's not an either or. It's like, well, I did it spiritually. And so maybe they are to... backing it up, right? That's, Can we say exactly. that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's, yeah, that's the thing about point. Bethel. That's yeah. the thing about Bethel is like if you know anything about all the different streams of the American church, Bethel's stream doesn't translate well to web clips. It like that little bubble, you know, they right. believe in signs and wonders and very charismatic, prophetic, worship, uh, healing, all that. Sound bites can sound very strange. Uh-huh, and, yeah. and honestly, a lot of things that do happen there, they'll even admit are a little weird. I mean, it, Bethel attracts the granola, the fruits and flakes and nuts, you know, so it's like it just oh, like, oh, whoa, <laughs> it is true. I mean, like there's other ones, too, like IHOP and KC and different ones. You know, it's like it, oh, so just, this is like the extremely charismatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, a signs and yeah. wonder stream. And so okay, it's kind of like you, got you, got you. So very okay. apostolic, very prophetic, very all these things. And it's a bubble and they live in a bubble in Redding, California. And so it's kind of like the awareness of how that sounds, what they did again, like Jesse said, scripturally, you know, the apostolic anointing and the declaration, uh, there's nothing wrong with what they were saying. It just on a web clip with the Gandalf stick and the black lady yelling, thou shalt not pass to racism. It just came off and it was mocked mercilessly, but you're right. What's the action afterwards? Uh, That's my thing. What's, what's going to be more impressive Besides the Gandalf stick, which was dope, that they had everybody hold that thing. Like I didn't think everybody be able to grab that thing and smack it at the they same did. time. It it takes a high level of, of uh, coordination. Of work to do like maybe they practice. You know maybe crazy. they practice. But besides that, I'm just like, fam. If if after this. If after this that there's no like, I mean, are we oh, gonna true. donate to to a nonprofit? Are we gonna raise some money? Are we gonna you know vote and and, and inspire our people to vote against certain laws that are it's that are creating systemic uh, issues for black people? If that doesn't follow the Gandalf magic, then there was no magic at all. It was just them banging a the stick on but the stage. I, let's say would- let's say this like what Jesse was saying. Let's double down on this. There is a stream of Christianity that has gone so far the pendulum has swung so far toward works that they've almost forgotten the spiritual dynamic of of, of racism right now okay and then the pendulum's way over here that they're treating it as only a spiritual issue Okay, it's neither nor, it's both and, right? Can so, we yeah. find a balance, right? That's yeah. right. Absolutely. It is a spiritual like, thing, and the church needs to be leading that conversation to be praying against principalities, powers of darkness, right? We need to break yeah. the curse of racism on this country, but we also need to do the work. We need to push our corporate sponsors to stand up to corporations that have racist nicknames on their you know, logo. And yeah, for we, sure. need, yeah. we need, it's a both and thing as, as believers. Yeah, James? and so it's the same people that they would say like, okay, well, you know, this is just, it's just a sin issue. We just need Jesus. We just need Jesus. And whereas that is true, like racism is a sin, but we need more than just Jesus in our country to, yeah. you know, I mean, that sounds bad. Jesus is the answer. He's the hope. He's all the things. But when someone stands up in their pulpit and says, this is a sin issue. We don't need to change any reforms. We don't need to do any of these things. We just need to change our hearts. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but no, we need to change laws we need to change procedures we need to change systems and so it's kind of like we're stopping right there at the the jesus thing and while we all here agree jesus is not only the reason for the season he's the answer to this oh okay. uh, there's Let's more go. that we need to go 
That's yeah, that's, but, yeah. And we and, and those people know that, right? Because in most of the time when there's a real issue that they're passionate about, they're like, let's get out there and let's go do it. So whatever that issue is, fill in the blank. Most of the time, people when it's something they're passionate about, they're not going to say, oh, just pray about it and, and and it'll change. Usually, they try to create some action, but then when it comes around the justice issue or something, with, yes, you know what I mean. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, now it's like, well, it's never going to quit. It, it, it's, it's nothing's ever going to change. Sin will be here forever. <laughs> It's almost like they say, like in that sense, sin will be here forever. We just need to pray about it. And it's like, oh, so you're saying sin, the sin of racism has defeated Jesus. Let's just give mm, up. You know yeah, what I mean? Like that's yeah. literally what I've heard. In, in a sense, that's the implications of what's being said. It's like, it, nah, let's put some put some action behind yes, that. Let's put some organization, yes, you, you know? Yeah. You, you, you see the same thing, and not necessarily from Bethel. I actually don't know where they stand on, on the issue. But you, you see it even when, when you talk about issues of, of large magnitude, like let's say like global warming or climate change, mm-hmm. right? Like even for Christians, even for the ones who acknowledge the, the threat, I've heard the I've heard the case many times as well. I'm not going to be arrogant enough to think that I can alter God's creation. The God will figure that out. And it's like, no, no, no. God put us here to figure it out. <laughs> like yeah, we, sure. are stu- we are sure. stewards, stewards. stewards. Yeah. Of, of his creation. We are stewards of the relationships he puts in our life. We're stewards of the social dynamics that, you know, we are a part of by default of being a part of society. And if, and if our society has been poor stewards and, uh, of of all of these relationships and of these social dynamics, then it's our job not just to seek God for for help in altering it, but to actually do the work. You know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, big uh, Jay, I mean Derek, you like that one of those first weeks you were on the show a couple of months ago. You you talked about the fact it was one of your it was like a heartbreaking thing you were sharing, and you said something that stuck with me so strongly about this issue in particular and the American church. Like they say, you know, like Jesus is the answer about racism. It's always going to be, sin's always going to be here, but they don't say that about abortion and that the church prays about abortion and they mobilize about abortion and they need to apply that same strategic energy and spiritual energy to this issue as well. And you cannot, that has stuck with me so strongly that the people who are online just dismissive of it, of like, now we need is Jesus and all these these things isn't going to work. It's like, well, you don't say that about abortion. Right. You yeah. know, like you you fight for life. Yeah. Well, why aren't you Absolutely. fighting yeah. this way as well? Yeah. Okay. And I think that's a strong reminder. All right. Well, that was a great segment. Okay. That'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned up next. Kev on stage joins us. listening to future islands the song is for sure well today's podcast is brought to you by the better together concert yes a concert for king and country lecrae crowder jonathan mcreynolds and the new respects are coming together july 28th for an exclusive worldwide online concert event today's most prolific christian voices are rising up to unite the global church in this unprecedented cultural moment now's the time to be light in the darkness to bridge divides and heal past hurts 
Now is the time to show we are truly better together. You can register for free for this concert at AmericanAwakening.us. Again, that's register for free at AmericanAwakening.us. Well, like I said, Kev on stage, Kevin Fredericks is one of the funniest guys on the internet. He's a comedian, a YouTube content creator, IG content creator, podcaster, and a believer. Our very own Tyler Huckabee sat down with Kev to talk about comedy, faith, and cancel culture. Here's our conversation with Kev on stage. first starting out when you first started to get into the comedy game was it because like did people tell you that you were funny or no no i just i literally there was a church talent show and my brother said i should try it and i did you know i thought yeah excuse me i'm sorry i'm not an amazing singer or musician so i wouldn't like kill at those things so um i'll try uh stand up and and i you know it went well and then, um, you know, I ended up getting fired from one of my jobs, uh, partially because of stand up. <laughs> Basically, I was a terrible employee. Um, I mean, I would use uh, the color copier to print um, flyers for comedy shows, you know, just terrible. So I started making, uh, we were doing plays as well. We we're having some success with that, but it was proving to be too expensive to, we were living in Seattle, proving to be too, too expensive to, um, to move around a play from Seattle to make any real money. You know, you need to be able to put a play up for a weekend and then travel and do the same thing in another city. And we just couldn't do that. So long story short, before we quit the entertainment industry and went back to working regular jobs, we decided to, you know, I suggest we give, you know, me, my friend and my brother, give it a shot on YouTube. Cause I figured there's people making a living on YouTube and if nothing else, we could get more fans so that we could do our plays eventually. And the first two videos we did went viral. Shortly after that, I started the Kevin on stage page because we were doing mostly church videos, church sketches on, on our regular channel and on the Kevin on stage page. I wanted to talk about other stuff. Uh, so that worked. And, um, when I moved to LA about seven years ago, my wife was like, look, you used to do stand up three or four times a week. You know, you were gone a lot. We're moving to a new city. You're not going to be leaving me at home <laughs> every night, three, four nights a week, not no new city you can forget about. So I kind of even started going harder on the internet. So I'm curious for you as a, as a professional internet person, I wonder if you have some advice for the rest of us. How do you deal with the haters? You know, what's funny, Tyler. I, I, I'm still struggling with it. Um, I think what, what I have to realize is people comment on your videos from their point of view and their perspective of their life. And what I mean by that, if, you know, somebody got mad at me the other day for making a video when we were having a particularly rough week as black people, you know, and they were saying, well, it's not time for clowning around. I'm like, listen, if you, there's something that's happening every single day to where somebody doesn't feel like laughing. Um, and in those times people are looking for laughter. So 
if I feel like I can make something, you know, funny, I will. Now that's not in place of serious issues. I definitely cover those as well, but the timeline is always dark. There's always negativity in there. So I just realized that there is some constructive criticism, people who are fans who want the best for me, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to disappoint you. I'm going to offend you. I disappoint myself. I'm supposed to be eating right and working out consistently. I don't even just, I don't even do that all the time. So if I can disappoint myself, then I'm definitely going to disappoint you. So I almost expect it. I know that if I'm not disappointing people, I I'm not being true to myself because I'm trying to think what will people think is funny? What will people think is safe? you know, all that stuff. And then it just, nothing will be funny if you're trying to appease every single person. Like it's okay. If you don't get a joke, it's okay. If it's not for you, it's okay. If you're offended, all of that is true. You know, there's all my favorite musicians. I don't like every album and I don't like every song. I just, you know, songs I don't like, I skip and that's fine. You might not like a whole album. You might not like a, a whole movie from an actor you really loved or director and that's fine. But uh, that doesn't mean they're not entitled to express the, their creativity. However they see fit. You, in terms of dealing with haters, have probably had to deal with pylons now and then. I'm curious what you think about cancel culture. Is cancel culture something that uh, you're worried about? I know my day's coming where you're on, I'll inevitably make a mistake that a large portion of people don't like. Like, I've, I've pissed off fan bases. Taylor Swift's fan base come after me multiple times. Oh, you kicked the Swifty hive. Oh, the Swifties have come so hard for me on multiple occasions. Uh, and it's fine. Like, I get it because that's, again, that's not my core fan base anyway. So they were, they were, they were killing me on Twitter for like three days. And it was like, I don't care. These aren't my fans anyway. So thankfully, I haven't been in a situation where my own fan base has been killing me. But the problem is, the bigger you get, the more people ex- expect of you and the and going to be easier to offend people because you can, it's going to be so hard. Like we just met, right? But say you're a fan of mine and, you know, say I say your favorite band sucks and I don't even know that that's your favorite band and you have liked me prior to that. You're like, man, what is he talking about? I supported him. And now he, he doesn't like this thing that I like. Like people take that as a personal attack on them. You know what I mean? So um, there's so much of that, that I've realized I, you know, and I'm always growing and learning and changing and trying to be better. And even when you make proclamations, right? Like I said, I want to support black women more. And, uh, that means people are going to expect more of me when it comes to black women, they're going to make sure that I'm having the representation, which inevitably I'm going to in some way offend people. But all I hope for is that people give me a chance to lo- learn and grow. I think one of the things that makes the internet tough is people are growing in real time you know, and it's public. A lot of times prior to the internet age, you would grow privately and all your mistakes weren't blasted, every, blasted everywhere. You'd have a publicist and an agent. They'd be like, all right, don't print that. Don't do this. And it'd be easier to, you know what I'm saying? To create the narrative of who you were. And now with social media, it's much harder to do that. If, especially if you're not the same person behind closed doors and, that you are publicly. So, um, but, you know, times change and things that were popular at one time may not be popular. So I might have been saying something offensive now or not offensive now in four or five years, maybe grossly offensive that I might have to apologize for. But I just want to people to give me the chance to grow and and, and change and not, you know, be held to standards that I don't know about yet. Um, and, you know, but it, it's going to happen. My, my day will come. So you would say maybe the idea or the the paranoia about cancel culture might be a little bit overblown. What I I think the mob mentality is definitely there, 
right? If you were wrong, people will come out in droves and say you're wrong. That doesn't always mean that your fan base will stop supporting you. I think those are two separate things. Like there's creators who, you know, even during the protest, they've taken a, a wrong or a position that most don't agree with, or I don't agree with, and then they change their mind. I don't hold that to them. If you weren't educated, like, like take June, Juneteenth, for example, a lot of people didn't know about it prior to this year. Just, you know, but it, that's not uncommon. Like, it's not taught in schools. Your parents might not have known about it. Um, I think I learned about it either late in college or after college, but people dunk on people for not knowing, like, that's not common. You know, it's not like Juneteenth is two plus two. You know what I mean? It's not something that everybody's taught and you're expected to know. It's almost purposely not taught. So um, it's definitely difficult to navigate the internet landscape a lot of times, but uh, I think I've accepted what it really is and and know a lot of times the, the other thing is just like the wind blows the topic of conversation will change what feels like a lifetime usually is only a couple of days of people really being upset there's always something more uh fresh to be upset upset about you know the thing that usually gets you in trouble is the double down though if you are called out and you don't do your research and you double down that always gets you more in trouble than just being wrong the first time That was Kevin Fredericks, or Kev on stage. Read more of that conversation over at relevantmagazine.com. Cloudy days, sleepless night. I lay awake tossing, wondering what gave by. We've been down for so long. No change been on the way. Listening to Terrence Martin, Robert Glasper, Ninth Wonder, and Kamasi Washington featuring Felix. The song is Sleepless Nights. All right, well, we had a robust final segment for you guys. We had our get to know the cast questions. We had some of the funniest feedback you guys have sent us from last week's question of the week. Uh, the question was, What is something you got away with as a child that your family still doesn't know about? hilarious feedback and guess what we're doing none of it we had a tight time constraint on recording the show today because of you know we got away we're busy people we are busy people and we got stuff to do so we're gonna save that stuff for next week's episode so make sure to tune in to next week's episode for that question of the week feedback if you didn't tell us that thing that you got away with as a child that your family still doesn't know about you can hit us up on twitter at relevant podcast and you can also message us if you want to keep it quiet, message us on Instagram at Relevant Magazine. Um, and we'll also do some more of the uh, Get to Know the Cast summer summer edition. Okay. Well, many thanks to For King and Country and Kev on stage for joining us. You can follow For King Country on Instagram at For King and Country or Forking <laughs> and Country. Forking. Um, and you can follow Kevin at uh, at Kev on stage on Instagram. Do your feed a favor and follow him. Okay, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. And I'm Derek Minor. We will see you next week. Have a good one, everyone.
for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, check out our Relevant Podcast Network, featuring shows like Relevant Daily, Signs of Life, Unedited, and many more launching throughout the year. Gotcha! I didn't care. This was all a trap. Relevant Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.